Yeah, welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast where we dissect who framed Roger Rabbit one minute at a time with special guest Gamo Martinez. Hello, and welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast where we analyze the movie Who Framed Roger Rabbit one minute at a time. Uh, today, I am always Annie McMullen, and uh, I am joined by, as always, Chris Blair. As always. <laughs> and uh, as not always, but apparently frequently and always enjoyable, we have Guillermo Martinez, uh, who is a director with Sony Animation and uh, also a wealth of new spinoff ideas. So I really hope that uh, someone who can make his ideas happen is listening. Uh, but welcome, Guillermo. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back again. It's, uh, it's uh, this is my one of my favorite podcasts ever. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. You know, it's mine also. Uh, yeah, I, I'll put it up there. It's like top 10 for me. Yeah, it's definitely like, it, out of all the Earwolf podcasts. I think this is my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, let Scott Ackerman know that <laughs> this is right up there. Uh, so we are up to minute 17 already, a prime number. Uh, so um, all you math geeks out there, get excited for this minute. Minute 17 begins with Eddie finishing his threat and ends with Donald coming out of the piano with a cannon and devil horns. Uh, so... We, we get to see Eddie continue this threat, which is he's going to shove the pen up his nose, uh, which might kill a person. I'm not completely sure. Yeah, I, I, I never. There's more painful way, places where that pen can go, but like mm. it is a very specific insult, you know, instead of being like, I'm going to stab you with it. I'm just going to be like, I'm going to poke it up your nose. Unless we don't know about Eddie's backstory. Was he in prison? Like, was this, like, his way of, like, like he was known as, like, the nose, like, guy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Eddie, Eddie the nose stabber. <laughs> Eddie the nose stabber. Uh, you know, we do know from just a couple minutes ago that uh, Eddie has some ninja-level moves because uh, he attacks the guy in the, um, in the, the, what's it called? The terminal station bar. Um, he, and he, he beats the shit out of that guy mm -hmm. and he does it with cat-like reflexes. Um, so I was actually surprised when he threatens, uh, that he, that he even took the, uh, the time to threaten, uh, Marvin at me, given that we already have an example of Eddie's temper being just like straight to, straight to curb stomping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Zero to a hundred with this guy. Uh, in fairness, that was as a result of like, maybe Eddie's not as sensitive about his shitty shirt being ruined as he is about the death of his brother. Fine. But, um, you know, I, I think he's exercising a lot of restraint <laughs> for Eddie. Yeah. yeah, a lot of restraint for, for Eddie in particular. Probably like, again, because of this whole, he has to be subtle and discreet which he is doing a terrible job of uh going right to the front of the club of the person he's supposed to spy on uh not not the best detective move eddie and um threatening in front of everybody in this club the mayor slash owner of toontown so marvin acme is played by stubby k 
who was in most famous role was in Cat Baloo, and he was mainly a vaudeville performer. I mean, I could definitely see this guy doing some vaudeville stuff. He- His name is Stubby. I mean, <laughs> uh, what career options do you have at that you know, point? <laughs> like politics is out out the door. It's like you're not gonna get a Stubby's not gonna get elected. A no. union boss. A union boss did. Like the, he said, I bet he was bullied so many times. Like, like, like the, as, uh, as a kid, like they just grabbed him and just found like a stub, and they're just like, uh, uh, or a uh, no, sorry, not a stub. <laughs> sorry, I was mistaking stump, like, like a tree stump. For my stump. <laughs> sorry, my brain is like now there. Anyway, yeah, he would still be bullied a lot, but yeah. it's like he gets to be a politician in this movie. Essentially, um, it's oh, it's yeah. of a it's of a tune. Uh, it's of a tune place, but oh, still. Well. I would love to find out that 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 this movie was an F you to those to those people who said he cannot be elected. And everyone was like, oh, I, I, I didn't even see the movie. It's like, really? Because I clearly is giving an F you to all of you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say watch it. I'm gonna send you a VHS. You have to watch it. VHS. This is basically Stubby giving two stubby middle fingers to everybody. The end of like in his final in his final uh, day shooting, he just looked at his wife and he was like. I did it. <laughs> I did it. I, I told him to go fuck themselves. And she's like, yep, yeah, you totally did. Question, what do you think of when uh, Maru, uh, Marvin Acme, when he's alone in his house? Because that, that guy's not married, clearly. Yeah. Uh, well, well, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Like, do you think he just, like, stares at, like, a mirror and goes, like, like, I don't know. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what that sort of guy who just spends all of his time with cartoons if he's just like a cartoony life, has a cartoony life behind closed doors, or is he like hiding depression or hiding like some sort of pain? So, it's dark. Marvin, to me, like he's also, you have to remember, he's like super rich, right? Oh, His, yeah. He makes and- everything everywhere, especially in tune in all cartoons. So, like, he is like one of these people where and it's 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 1947 right that's the year 1947 mm-hmm. so it's not like you know people are doing a lot of like deep trauma reconciliation work back then it's more yeah. just like he has the money to to act out any kind of like freaky trauma shit that he has so uh, his whole house is probably just like tune sect dungeons Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, he also lives inside of Toontown, very likely. So it's it's going to be very weird. Like, physics don't act like they do in this world over there. Uh, and who is the dominatrix of this particular dungeon? Ladies and gentlemen, we are going back to Mrs. Herman. <laughs> from the <first> <laughs> she's the yeah. one who's like, who's like, you don't see her face. And she's like, have you been a bad boy? <laughs> You know what? Okay. Honestly, I love that for Mrs. Hurtman. Like yeah. that makes me feel really hopeful about Mrs. Hurtman. Oh, is yeah. like if her, uh, you know, she has a place to take out that like just angry mom energy that she she's giving. Wow, that's good for her. Yeah. You know. And he's like, he's like, hey, do you want to play a patty cake? And she's like, do I look like someone who? <laughs> she's like no i want to play i take you to the science lab <laughs> it's hopefully hopefully that's marvin acme's kink well i think something that is very well established in this particular minute is that marvin acne 
who's in the business of, of jokes um, is not funny. Oh, no. Like at all. He's, um, he's a terrible comedian. Yeah, really awful. Like his best joke is a hand buzzer. <laughs> also, I've seen those. I, okay, so I used to like uh, prank toys when I was a kid. Those ink things, they stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't disappear. Like it literally, like you just have like a weird, like yellow, like thing staying there. Because mm-hmm. that was magic. It was just pure black ink, and then just. <laughs> As we learn later on in the movie, Acme really is a jerk because that ink is disappearing, reappearing ink. So Eddie's shirt, the one shirt that he presumably owns, because he wears that one throughout the entire film, is ruined. Oh yeah. Completely ruined. His so, suit is upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. do always comment on the clothing and this is upsetting. It's not upsetting because of the plaid, which, you know, is a, it's a lot. It's a lot of look. Um, but like, it would be okay. You, there's a way to do that in like a dapper way. And this is just like clowny. It looks <laughs> like what everyone in the 50s through 80s thought a hobo looked like. <laughs> yeah but we do know he's into tunes and maybe tunes are all about this this look i mean he definitely is another version of that whole like human with tune characteristics if you if you were to if if, if you you were to meet him and you were to say like you look like a fucking clown <laughs> he'd be like oh my god that's exactly what i was going for <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably be like, which one? Like, I don't know any clown names. I know, just a sideshow Bob. <laughs> well, do you think he's kind of like, um, I'm not, and I'm not defending Marvin Acme in any way. Like, I think he's a, he's a creep of a person. But do you think he's kind of like Lauren Michaels? But like, I don't know if Lauren Michaels is like really good with the humor, but he has an eye. I mean, I mean, it's really hard to have an eye for cartoons. It's like, well, that thing is a definite cartoon. You know, I don't know. Like, like, do you think he's just like really good at discovering like bugs? Like, he discovered bugs, mm-hmm. but he discovered Mickey, and you know, yeah, uh, uh, probably he probably saw that like the random duck in that Porky Pig cartoon, and was like, this guy's gonna be a star. Yeah, and he's not. No, I, I, he gives, you know, you know who I think he's more like is Russ Hanneman. Oh yeah, like I think he is just like a privileged old white man who has stumbled into every successful endeavor he's he likes laughing so a little bit of his probably just like you know following his own particular fun kink um but uh, no there's not like lauren michaels like very self-aware right like yeah. lauren michaels like knows he is kind of a ridiculous caricature of a person and he will like lean into that for the sake of comedy, like Marvin Acme has zero self-awareness, which is, yeah. that to me is like the Russ Hanneman vibes, right? So basically Marvin Acme, Marvin Acme tried to be friends with human beings. They were like, this guy. They took him were like just the cartoons. And that and that's why he won. That's why he won. Like, I wonder, I wonder who he competed against. Would, would like he compete against other other humans or like another like a cartoon and they were like oh we need a human i think it's like you know cartoons have led toontown into a very dark place and like i think we need some flesh and blood you know yeah, that's yeah. I wonder, no i'd be really fascinated to hear sort of like um what's what's marvin acme's like art of the deal right like i want to read that book like yeah. what <laughs> what 
<laughs> also because he has a similar lack of self-awareness to the man who um, wrote, and I mean, my air quotes that you can't see, uh, are the deal. Um, so I think it would be an equally ridiculous. So you think, you think, you think Marvin Acme, like he who should not be named because <laughs> he wants to, uh, is someone that when threatened, he does the same thing that like he would do, like where he's just like, or he would just like, well, I think the Marvin Acme, lies, fake news. Yeah, no, so, so, okay. So like, if we're sort of mapping it, right. Like uh, the president Voldemort would <laughs> react with like anger right because like that's his whole deal and like marvin acne would just like squirt water out of a flower on his suit jacket rather yeah. than answer mm -hmm. the question right like i don't know but your face is wet <laughs> like right, he would be like well well i uh, reported us a good joke let me shake your hand and i just like electrocute him or something. exactly yeah. exactly yeah. yeah do you think that like he's a controversial figure like Lord Voldemort, where there's like half Toontown loves this guy and totally supports him, and the other half is like, no, not my, not my mayor. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Well, okay. So, where the, my, my theory about Marvin Acne, it, it works up till a point, right? Because we do find out later that Marvin Acne does some good stuff, right? Like, he isn't actually the villain when all of this is said and done. Spoilers. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the tunes mostly love him. I think it's probably humans that don't because he treats tunes like, um, they should have sort of the same rights or at least more than most people think. Do. Yeah. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe Marvin Acme is not that bad. He seems to be one of the very few tune activists, especially human tune activists in the film. Yeah, so I don't know if this is like a um, a problem where, you know, they didn't flush him out appropriately at the beginning, right? Like they didn't, or he's, he's not, it's not well directed because to me, like this person that we're meeting right now, he's a mess, right? Like, and so yeah, maybe he, he does some good things and he has like one good thought, but like overall, I'm still not getting like angel vibes from him. I don't think, you know? I don't think Marvin, every time I said to say Marvin, I, mean, I, was, I keep going my to, Marvin. Goes to Marvin Gaye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, um, Marvin, uh, I think Marvin Acme is not a good person. Yeah. I think people love him, but him being around cartoons and I'm spoiling something for the future, <laughs> as i always do um he played patty cake with jessica yep. Rabbit. and yep. for humans that's nothing but for yep. apparently for curtis if you see like right mm. response that's like a, that's something you can't do so basically like he's he knew he was with, with roger and he's, he did it anyway that's um, true and he does pressure jessica into the patty cake gang that's she's right saying like i don't want to do this and he's like mm -hmm. come on just play a little bit and it's like the way he says it i'm like Ew. Yeah. Fucking guy. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. He, yeah, I agree. So I think like he just, he, you know, everybody is a, everyone contains multitudes, you know? Sure. So he has this like one good value, which is that like, hey, tunes are, um, tunes are people too, right? Like we should treat tunes, tunes like we treat yeah. other people. That might just come from him wanting to f them. Yeah. 
Okay. There's it's not documented, but I bet he wanted to play patty cake with like Mickey. He wanted to play Mm. patty cake with Goofy. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a patty cake dungeon or something. Yeah, I heard there's some pictures somewhere of Marvin Acme and Pluto. If you don't think him in that octopus on a regular (laughs) standing appointment, you're missing something. (laughs) We have Eddie order a drink and This moment really shows how much Eddie understands tune logic. He forgets for one second when he orders that drink, but then immediately realizes what's going to happen because of what he ordered. I love this bit. It's just such a good little gag. It's one I definitely did not understand. Uh, This is not one you understand until you've had drinks, but a little little one for uh, the adults in, in here. You would th- I mean, you would think he would order something different, you know, knowing that the same, it's going to be the same thing all, all the time. I kind of think a rock would taste good in it. Yeah. Yeah, it might. It's one of my favorite tasting notes in wine. Minerality. I like a little whetstone in my whites. Oh, wow. That's very sophisticated. I, try. I have like, you know, all you need to get through this world is to know like one sophisticated thing about everything. And then everyone thinks you're like a genius. That's really the only thing I know Yeah. about wine. That's so true. Like if you go, oh man, that's so true. Huh? Yeah. I mean, people right now might be going like, well, this guy knows a lot about cartoons. He must be very smart. And I'm like, nah, I just know about cartoons. It's just Daffy Duck. It's yeah. Daffy Duck. <laughs> I remember seeing the trailers for this and this whole Daffy Donald thing was one of the huge reasons I wanted to see this movie. And- I was like dying to hear Guillermo's take on this whole thing from mm-hmm. an animation standpoint, because like I noticed it, it's so interesting to see them side by side because they really have a very different animation style. Um, and it's, it's just really clear when they're next to each other and you don't think about it, right? Like you don't think that they're, they're drawn pretty differently, like almost in like a, like a clarity sense, right? Like one's like softer, the Donald's a little softer than Daffy. And so it's just, it's just really interesting to see them. And I wanted to hear what uh, Guillermo had to say about all that. I mean, I don't know much about anything, but it might have to do with the fact that like Frank, uh, Frank Thomas and Holly Johnson wrote this book a long time ago called The Illusion of Life. They were part of the nine old men who like kind of created, I mean, them and Preston Blair, like also all these guys wrote animation. And there's always this one rule in animation, which is about like silhouette. And the whole point is that like, you can like paint a, a character, with, if the pose is like clear, you can paint that character black and from see it from a distance and go like, oh, this character is, emo- is sad or is happy or whatever. And so I think knowing that they're gonna be dealing with two characters, like the, the way they, like, they, they come with this like idea of like, oh, it's going to be clear. Also, at the same time, uh, this is where everyone is like, I'm just going to pause the podcast right here. What's it called? I, characters of like, like slapstick comedy are very like pose to pose. So every pose is like very expressive. So you'll never get like lack of clarity on these things. So like, I think they, you know, and I think also the guy who animated that animated the genie from Aladdin. So like, you know, it, it's like, there's like some masters in, in this, in this, in this, in this, um, in this film also, Richard Williams was the animation director and he was the guy who wrote the animator survival kit. And he's like this guy who's like a, a mad genius. 
uh, who apparently I went to see him once in a movie theater and I, and a, and a kid, I think I've already said this before, uh, but a kid asked him like, hey, I want to open my own animation studio. What, what do you agree? What do you suggest I do? And he said, don't make one. It will just make you sad and make you want to end life. You know, like something like that. And we're like, oh my God. Um, so yeah. But uh, yeah, in regards to like the clarity, I think it has to do a lot with the silhouette just because that's how we're trained to make sure that every character is like readable. Yeah. I just think about the complexity of this scene, right? Like um, we, you know, we talked about the octopus and that being the one where people wanted to quit. <laughs> um, but in term, this one is, there's a white piano, there's a black piano. Daffy is an all black uh, yeah. character, which makes the lighting really difficult to differentiate. There's not a lot of like shadow and shine on him other than his face because he is like solid black. Um, yeah. uh, and then you've got, a Donald who's white and like a little bit fluffier and they switch pianos back and forth and like we've already talked about how like the tunes in this movie cast shadows and you know just the complexity of just animating this and lighting this scene is is really bonkers it almost feels like this sort of scene will be the one that like as the whole movie was being animated they just like spent weeks and months working on the scene to make it and I can imagine that the people who were animating it we're like, as I and you, Chris, or all of us were like, it's like, wait a second, is it Daffy and Donald? Like, I bet they were so pumped that they were gonna be like, I'm gonna give it my best. You know, this is the last thing I ever animate. I wanna make sure it's like, phenomenal. Um, yeah. But I know that like, the way they animated stuff is like, they took frames from the movie and then basically like photocopied it for each frame. So you had like, so you, so you knew how the piano was moving. And so that way you can like, then add the characters to justify why the piano is moving that way. Um, yeah. And I mean, especially just like seeing the keys move with them. And I mean, Donald, after he knocks Daffy into the piano, Donald's playing with his tushy. He's playing with his feet. He's a boxing really... glove. Or, or, yeah. You know, Daffy's playing with a, bo a boxing mm -hmm. glove. Yeah. Yeah. yeah when, when he's playing with the, with the boxing glove is when he goes full blown crazy. Yes. Yeah, yes. Where his hair is like, doing this like you know like crazy thing and it's just like the guy the the uh the cynical guy is gone and now it's just like the lunatic yeah like it's that it's like going to war with donald just brings that out in him question i know we were talking about the multiple dimensions where that like the multiverse of daffy's those can you also think that this could be sort of like a maria Bamford sort of situation where like it's either wacky Daffy playing a character of a very straight like kind of a cynical person or do you think it's a cynical character cynical Daffy that every once in a while goes goofy like I'm trying to think like which one it is what, a, what, a, what, a, what an interesting question I think <laughs> it's I think it's cynical Daffy that every once in a while goes goofy because this goofy Daffy that we see here is unsustainable it's unsustainable yeah, yeah. unsustainable I think that the Daffy multiverse exists inside of that piano. And it's not the same Daffy that goes into that <laughs> piano that comes out. Yeah. That's, you know what? You have a point. <laughs> I have no, no argument against that being the truth. Or do you think that like Daffy has like pills and it's like they're, they're wearing off at that particular moment and he's like, oh, shit, I got go. It's going back. <laughs> I think that might be it. Donald he emerges from the piano at the very end with this cannon and he has devil horns. So my question is, is Donald a demon? 
I would say, um, as someone who's Team Daffy, I would say that's an easy answer. Yes, I think he is a demon. I think um, he's always been a demon. Um, however, for this one, I think because it's all part of the show, and I bet they've done this like multiple times, this particular mm -hmm. dueling pianos thing. Uh, I bet there are like little party city like uh, <laughs> like uh, horns in the in like like next to the cannon that like when the, when the thing closes he's like puts them on and then it's like okay I'm ready to go and then the, the piano opens he has the devil horns and those but also the, the 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 horns make me think that that cannon is meant to kill you know I, I think he's like like he's like I'm really want to kill Daffy. I think he's. I think he's. I think he's a bad influence on all the Disney characters, but that's just me. And this, just saying, this might be the thing that gets me never hired at Disney. But you know what? I'll take my risk. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll risk it. I don't care. <laughs> well, you know, I think. Uh, I think that Bob Shapek also believes that Donald's a demon. So I think you're. Oh, yeah. You're in the right place. Oh yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he's like. <laughs> hopefully he's just like you know like this guy. This guy, I get him. I get him. <laughs> yeah, because Bob Shapek is also a demon. I'll cut this part out. This takes us to a little segment we call Hypothetical Thursday. Hypothetical Thursday, join in on the fun. Uh, hypothetical Thursday is when I pose a hypothetical question out to the listeners. This week, I am posing this question to, to all you listeners. We got to see Daffy and Donald fight in this. This is a dream fight we all wanted to see. What other two cartoon characters would you like to see fight each other? Um, I'll, I'll give my answer. I'll start off with my answer. Um, I would love to see Popeye. This is a battle of strength. I'd love to see Popeye fight Bam Bam because both of them oh. super strong, especially once Popeye gets a spinach. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good fight. Um, and you're probably wondering, so Chris, you want to see a sailor fight a baby? And yes, I do. <laughs> um, it's your only chance to see a sailor <laughs> fight a baby. Yeah, this is the only ethical way this can happen. Uh, and my money is on the baby, to be honest. I think this is a very like deep cut, but like, well, not a super deep cut, but I would say Woody from Toy Story. Mm. Uh, actually, no, no, scratch, scratch that. I would do, I would do Buzz Lightyear from Cars. And wait, the dino, and you the mean Lightning McQueen? Lightning, wait, oh my god, did I say Buzz Lightyear? My brain is like, <laughs> I was like, wait, was the oh. cars part right? Or no, 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 no. Right? yeah, Lightning McQueen from uh, from cars. It, what's the name of the brontosaurus from the um, from Toy Story? Oh, no, no that was that was Rex uh, from, from the, the land, land before, before time. time. Is it oh. Babyfoot or like uh, Longfoot or? Uh, long, I think Longfoot. I think it's Longfoot. Padfoot? Padfoot? No, that's yeah. Harry Potter. Well, just mostly, <laughs> I, I oh, mostly okay. want it because I like the concept of a car meeting a dinosaur and how, mm -hmm. how, how, how Lightning McQueen's brain will just collapse with the idea of a dinosaur. And I know it's not the best answer, but it's the one that I need. Uh, I think it's Littlefoot. Littlefoot. Littlefoot, yeah, Littlefoot yeah. is the son of Ron, an unnamed female apatosaurus. Mm. Is that who we're talking about? Unnamed female? Mm -hmm. Really? 
No, no, no. That's a brawn. No, wait. Brawn and an unnamed female Apatosaurus. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. She, th those are his parents. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would like to see, I think, a battle of wit. Um, so I am going to go with uh, the brain from Pinky and oh, the Brain. Yeah. And um, and uh, Sandy from SpongeBob SquarePants. Wow. Because it's this also is... good and evil, right? Like Sandy's very pure of heart. Completely and... different outlooks in life. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the brain is a uh, the brain is evil. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, this is this is going to be quite an intellectual fight. Yeah. Uh, so, listeners, I'd love to hear what you what two characters you want to see fight each other. Uh, just I will pose the question in our Facebook group on Thursday and go ahead and answer that. And we will read them next week. Hypothetical Thursday, join in on the fun. <laughs> yes. OK, my MVP is super clear here. It is Daffy's bangs. Mm. Um, I don't know if they're called bangs on a duck, but his uh, his plumage what, what, what do you call it his his bangs are um they are expressing his energy in a way that nothing else in this scene is and he's moving around a lot he's doing a lot of stuff but those bangs are like they're cycling through multiple personalities uh throughout this entire minute uh my mvp i think is this the the rock the, little the rock. rock in the drink yeah. yeah when i saw the first time i was like I was like, this is hilarious. What a great joke. <laughs> yeah, I do really, really love that joke. And it's one it's one for people growing up on Roger Rabbit. I love those jokes that you don't get as a kid and then you understand when you get oh, 100%. Thank you for joining us today, uh, Guillermo. Can you come back on Friday? Go uh, talk about the next minute with us? I would love to. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So this has been Who Analyzed? Roger Rabbit. I want to thank Dueling Genre and Scott Corelli for hosting us. You can check out all their podcasts, many movie by minute ones on duelinggenre.com. Check out the support link by just clicking on it. And we will see you on Friday for minute 18 of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. Bye.